All right, I'm hanging up right now. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. This episode of iFreaks is brought to you in part by Postcards. Postcards is the simplest way to allow user feedback from right inside your application. With just a simple gesture, anyone testing your app can send you a postcard containing a screenshot of the app and some notes. It's a great way to handle bug reports and feature requests from your client. It takes five minutes to set up, and the first five postcards each month are free. Get started today by visiting www.postcard.es. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. Pete Hodgson. Hello, hello from Hollywood Boulevard. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, John Sonmez. Hi from Tampa, Florida, where it's not cold. <laughs> no, you suck. Do you want to introduce yourself for the folks who don't know who you are? Sure. So my name is John Sonmez. I blog and do business at simpleprogrammer.com. I am basically what I'm calling myself a life coach for software developers, which is kind of a weird thing, but I don't think anyone else is doing it. But basically what I do is I help developers to be better at their jobs, but also at life in general with all kinds of areas from building their careers to being more productive to marketing themselves, which we're going to talk about today, even fitness and, uh, and, and things like that. So yeah, that's, that's basically what I do. I did a lot of software development for a long time. I still do some coding, but I found that I really liked helping developers. And so that's, I sort of followed what was working for me and, and I felt like there was a big void here. So I basically went into this and, uh, and yeah. Awesome. Now you've got a bunch of things going on. You just released the soft skills book. You've got uh, your How to Market Yourself as a Software Developer course. Uh, you've got a, a blogging course, which I keep telling people to go check out. It's an email course, which rocks. And we talk every week on the Entreprogrammers podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing you know that I'm excited about right now, is, of course, is a, is a book, The Soft Skills, The Software Developer's Life Manual. It's published by Manning. It's my first real published book, like not self-published book. And it came out like at the beginning of January. And we've been breaking some nice records for for technical books, getting up in the charts on Amazon. And it, it's basically a book about your entire life as a software developer. It kind of covers on a lot of different areas and, and it's really career focused. It's just, I just wanted to create something that was a fun read that would provide just a huge amount of value. You know, what I, what I would want to read, what I would enjoy reading, not something that, you know, I felt like, uh, like would be a, a difficult read and, and something that I wish I had 10 years ago. So that's, that's kind of what the book is about. It's, it's definitely, I think it's pretty unique. I don't think there's any books quite like that out there. So it was a little bit of a risk, you know, putting it out there. But so far, it's had had some pretty good uh, positive reviews. So now I know that some people heard the word marketing yourself and turned off the podcast. Why should people care about marketing themselves? The big reason, really, is because 
The thing I like to talk about all the time is, in fact, I'll say uh, someone had just posted this on Twitter. They had brought to my attention. They said that Judge Judy makes $47 million a year, while a Supreme Court judge makes 227000 Now, those are even Supreme Court justice. That's a pretty big number. But the difference between those two is not really in skill, right? I mean, a Supreme Court justice is probably, let's say that they're at the same level as Judge Judy, right? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know who's better. I don't really watch Judge Judy. But I would assume that they're pretty equivalent level of, of skill. Or, or maybe the Supreme Court justice, maybe they should be better. In fact, I hope they are, right? So it's not skill that's determining the difference in pay there. What it is, is the name, right? It's name recognition, right? Uh, celebrity chefs, right? It doesn't mean that we all have to be celebrities, right? That, that we're going to make millions of dollars per year as software developers. But it, it does kind of point out the fact that having some kind of a name, having some kind of reputation, you know, building some amount of authority in software development, you know, sharing what you're what you're learning and what you're doing and helping others is really valuable to your career. It's, it's immensely valuable. It's like a multiplier for your skills. So, you know, you can be really skillful, but if you're sitting in your basement by yourself coding up these uh, amazing things and no one knows about it, it's not going to benefit you much. So, you know, even though marketing has a bad word, all I'm really trying to do is to help developers to be able to get the message out and to be able to reach more people and show off the cool stuff they're doing while providing value for others. And that's sort of the cornerstone that I think is good marketing is, is you're, you're doing things that are valuable for others. Just like this podcast, right? I mean, it's not a money maker, you know, super, <laughs> not going to get rich from, from this podcast and everyone that, that volunteers to do this podcast, but it's something that has a, a huge value to people. And it also is something that builds authority in this area for everyone that does this podcast. So a lot of, the, a lot of the hesitancy with the tech community is they think of marketing. I think the slick guy with a Rolex talking a bunch of stuff, throwing his cards around. But is that really what it's all about? No, I, you know, I think, I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing is that at least, I mean, some people view marketing like that, right? And I think that's, you know, in developer community, we've got that kind of bad taste in our mouth. But the way that, you know, sort of the philosophy behind the marketing that I, I preach is, is, and it's, and it's something that I do is give 90% of what you do away for free and charge for 10%. Because I think that's the best way to market, right? Because if you give someone value, then they're going to come looking for more. And if you give them free value, they're going to spread that and share that. So when I talk about marketing, I'm not talking about sending sleazy emails to people and, and, you know, in, in trying to, you know, being like a used car salesman. I'm, I'm talking about giving them value. Like if you're working on something, a project, do blog posts about it, do videos about it, tutorials, you know, things that are going to be valuable, but it's also going to help build a name for yourself so that people come back to you. Employers are more likely to hire you, right? They're going to see your blog posts. They're going to hear you on a podcast. Clients are more likely to hire you for freelance work. You're going to be able to charge a higher rate. And if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to build an audience, that's how you build an audience and you sell a product to people who want to buy from you because of you, not because you chased them down and did some kind of sleazy tactic to try to get them to, to come in the door and buy your thing. So it seems like you're focusing a bit on the outcomes, right? The things that people want. And I think that's really the powerful place to go when we're talking about marketing yourself or whatever. It's not the process. It's not necessarily what you're doing, though. That I mean, that that is essentially what marketing yourself is. But really, people want specific things, right? They want to go work at a place that 
provide certain factors of fulfillment, you know, where they make enough money, they feel like they're making a difference, they work with people they like, things like that. And this marketing yourself as a developer really just boils down to putting yourself in a position where you can get those jobs or where you can get those clients if you're freelance or where you can provide whatever value you want to provide if you're, you know, not necessarily coding all the time, but you're a project manager or something like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's the key thing is it's valuable for everyone, right? Because there's, I always talk about, you know, the first time I realized that this was valuable for me, you know, being a, I was a career developer, you know, I, I was just interested in working for a good company and having a good job. Um, it was when I was looking for a new job or I was, I wasn't even really looking at this point, but I'd gotten out of the blue an email from a recruiter that basically said, Hey, we want to hire you for this job. Not we want to interview you, we want to hire you. And, you know, I replied back and said, oh, you know, don't you mean interview? And they said, no, 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 we've already read your blog. You know, we've been reading your blog here at, at this company for a while, and we're familiar. We just want to give you an offer. And, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting because I'd never created my blog to do that. I'd never even imagined that. But I, I immediately saw the value and then I realized that this was something that, you know, just a little bit of marketing, just a, you know, and again, you know, the word marketing, it's, it's really just a little bit of spreading knowledge and putting yourself out there has a huge, huge value that's going to help you in your career. And so that's, that's when I really started going on this and saying, okay, well, you know, I kind of did this by accident, but could I help someone to engineer this to be able to, to benefit from it? There's definitely that benefit. I had a conversation this week with someone in France that I'm talking about bringing on as a client. And he's like, you know, I read your website. I saw your blog. I, I feel like I know you. So we start off that conversation already on a, on a good note. And, you know, my blog gets 10 hits a day, like nothing. But people that do read it are the right people at times. So if they get a wind of who I might be, then it helps me. It helps people explain, you know, this is how I approach problems. This is what I do. So it, it definitely can help, even if you're not getting tons of views. Right. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't really take a whole lot. You know, the one thing that I always challenge developers to do is to just type into Google their name. And that's what the world, I mean, you, you can think what you want about what image you're portraying to the world, but that is who you are to the world in, in general. And so if you type in your name and you don't have to have a super big blog or whatever, but if your blog comes up, right, and then someone clicks that and they start reading Man, that's, you know, how we always hear the advice, like, make your resume like one page or two page, make it short. Then no one's even going to read it. But if someone Googles your name and finds your blog, they might start reading your blog for like two hours. <laughs> and if they're thinking about interviewing you, right, that's killer. That's going to help you so much. And the same thing with a client, like a client that's really, you know, digging what you're, what you're putting out there. They're going to, instead of you having to go and, and try to, pedal and try to find clients, if they come to you, the hourly rate you're going to be able to ask is going to be much better. You're going to not have to like, you know, jump through all these hoops to get that client because they want to work with you because they know who you are. And and so there's there's just a huge value in even just a small amount of having a, a presence, uh, you know, out there. Now, I know that iFreaks is kind of the pinnacle of iOS development, right? So all of the developers <laughs> out there are aspiring to work at ThoughtBot or Mixed in Key so they can work with Pete or Andrew. So how do they go about, let's get down to brass tacks, what kinds of things should they be doing so that they can get the attention of ThoughtBot or Mixed in Key? ThoughtWorks, not ThoughtBot. Or Thought ThoughtWorks. Now I feel dumb. Okay. That's okay. It happens a lot. 
<laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> and a Fortbot would also be an awesome place to work. So yeah, same that, example too. applies just as well. To me, it seems like if you want to work for an app development company, a company that develops iOS apps, that you should build some iOS apps and have them in the app store and perhaps blog about it. To me, that would make a lot of sense. You know, if I were going to hire someone and try to get the attention of one of these these companies that, that I'd like to work for, I would definitely make sure that I had at least a few apps in the app store so that I could show that I actually am serious. It, it's weird. You know, I think a lot of, I, I see a lot of Android and iOS developers that they are asking me advice on how to get a, a job. And I, my, my answer is, well, what apps do you have? And it's like, well, uh, none yet. Well, if you don't have any, then it's going to be a lot more difficult because it's, you know, the level, the bar is very low for creating an app, right? It used to be difficult to create a, but now it's so easy for someone to create a, at least a, a one person team can create a pretty impressive mobile app. So that's my opinion. What, what do you guys think? It, you know, obviously you guys are be more experts in this area for getting into those particular companies. I kind of wanted to share an anecdote, which is that the last developer we hired, Mac team at Mixed in Key, whose name is Chris, he was an iFreaks listener before we hired him, before we knew who he was. And so that was kind of fun because he did recognize me from the show, and he's been absolutely excellent. We've been very happy with him. So iFreaks listeners like seem to be of a high caliber. Yeah, it's yeah, like right. The reverse marketing thing, which is probably just as valid, right? We're both kind of by being on this podcast, or whenever I blog or whenever I talk at a conference, I'm kind of feel like I'm partly I'm marked, I'm partly I'm working on my personal brand, kind of candidly, that's part of what I'm doing. But I'm also making sure that people know that I work at this cool company and we're hiring, and also we're well. I guess also, you know, we're available for consulting work as well. So I'm kind of marketing in a couple of different areas. But I, I, I see myself to an extent as an, as an extension of the company I work at as well. So it's kind of interesting. It goes both ways, I guess. Yeah, you just hit the other slimy word, brand. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, you know. Everyone's I, afraid of. It's like, oh, don't, like, it's hard to think about a brand. But as John said, like, you have one. Someone's yeah, going to Google yeah. your name. And if yeah, it's, whether you like it or about not. your coworkers on Twitter, that's your brand. Or it might be. Who is X, you know? So it's, we have one. For us at Mixed in Key, and I think it's true of a lot of companies hiring specifically for iOS developers, it's almost like a, just a hard and fast requirement that you have an app in the store. You know, or at least you can point to an app you developed for, you know, internal use at a company or something like that. But we pretty much won't even consider someone if they don't have an app because we want somebody that can show that they know that whole process from an initial idea to something the users actually have in their hands. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And even, you know, the, the other thing that you guys brought up that's really important is the way that marketing helps a company as well, right? It's like the, a lot of companies, I think, are afraid to let their developers kind of speak out and, and market themselves because they don't realize that the value that it brings is because like you, you guys doing this podcast, it brings a lot of value to your company because people aspire to be working with people that they know and that they like and that, you know, that are, are good personalities in the development community. So I think that's one thing too, is it's like a lot of people are like, oh, well, yeah, marketing itself only benefits me as developer, but no, it's, it's actually, you know, to have a person who works at a company that is, has some reputation in the industry is very, very valuable for that company. So, you know, development managers and, and stuff shouldn't be afraid to help their employees become better at doing this as well. Well, the the other thing, you know, going back to the personal brand, I've actually landed contracts that I wasn't qualified for because I do these shows. 
And I have to go back to the client and say, I, I appreciate the confidence you have in me, but I don't have the level of experience that would make me comfortable actually taking this contract. But they right. assume that because I have a back catalog in JavaScript, for example, I'm pretty decent with JavaScript on the front end, but the back end, I really haven't done a ton with Node.js or iOS. I've, I've actually landed a couple of iOS gigs and had to say, look, you know, I, I'll charge you a reduced rate and it's probably going to take a little longer than somebody with experience would take, but I'm happy to talk to you about your project. And really what it boils down to is I have this back catalog. I've had all these conversations with these hosts and other hosts and guests. And so they just assume that I have the chops to do the job. And so this really does work out well if you have that stuff out there because people don't even put you through the interview process. It's just oh, well, I want you. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it is a shortcut. I mean, it is definitely the path that will get you. You know, I always talk about, like in soft skills, I have a whole chapter dedicated to interviews, and it doesn't talk about interviews at all. What it talks about is getting in the back door because mm -hmm. the thing is, like, you know, I've walked in interviews, shook the interviewer's hand, and the interviewer said, oh, you know, I read your blog. And then there, there wasn't an interview at that point. It was just chatting because they're already going to recommend you for hire as long as, you know, in person, you're not like a, a complete goofball or whatever. But, um, it's such an important thing to realize that is that you can actually bypass the interview process in a lot of cases if you uh, either can make a personal connection or you can get, you know, the interviewer knows you at some or has heard of you online. They're going to make certain assumptions based on the brand that you've built. They might not even be true, <laughs> but you're going to, you're going to benefit from it. So I want to ask though, let's say that somebody gets their app in the app store. And then they've been blogging pretty regularly, you know, at least once a week, maybe, I don't know. We can ask you about that in a minute, how often people should blog. But let's say that they're blogging with some frequency for like six months and they're starting to think, okay, well, this job isn't giving me everything I want, so I'm going to switch. What other things should they be doing to make themselves more exciting for a company to court? Well, I think there's, I mean, there's a whole list of different things that, that you could do, right? I mean, like, well, as, as you being a person who, who does what now you do like five podcasts or six podcasts a week, <laughs> five podcasts, and I'm going to launch a Kickstarter for the sixth. Okay. So basically, like, what is the most difficult problem? I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the most difficult problem with podcasting? Just taking the time, honestly. It's just, okay. It's the time I spend. Uh, the most unpleasant part for me is editing. Which is why I pay Mandy to do it. Okay, I was going to guess that getting guests. I'm I'm sure that's probably somewhere on your list, though, right? Yeah, it ranks. It depends on the month, but yeah. Okay, well, I mean, you're kind of a pro, so <laughs> so maybe I'm asking the wrong person. But a lot of podcasters that I talk to, their yes. biggest problem is getting guests, right? Including myself for Get Up and Code and stuff. Like, I have a hard time. Like, if someone comes to me with an email and they're like, you know, they have something good. They they do the three things that I always say, which is like, you know, they have some credential that they identify. They identify what value they provide to my audience and they take initiative. Say, you know, I can tell me how that they can get this rolling. I'm really likely to interview them on the podcast and bring them on because I'm looking for someone and a lot of podcast hosts. So again, now you're going to get a flood of people, but <laughs> that is one, just one example of a good way is right. Is to reach out. The first time I went on like Scott Hanselman's podcast on, on Hanselman, as I was 
had no was relatively unknown but i i said hey i could talk to you about this thing i suggested a good topic i thought it'd be good for his audience and i i, I you know gave him some credentials and he, he gave me a shot and that led to other opportunities but i think you know that's like one way is to reach out and be on a podcast another one is you know start a youtube channel and start doing youtube videos i get a ton of traction from that you could write an ebook that you self-publish. It's obviously hard to get a publisher, but um, obviously in the app market, you should definitely have some apps out there. So, you know, if you're definitely trying to, you're not even going to get in, in the door, right? So, so definitely you should start building some apps, but there's a bunch of different things. Like, I guess the way that I think about it is, you know, what are the things that the media that you consume, whatever it is, like you, you use developer, do you read blog posts? Do you like listen to podcasts? Do you watch videos? Whatever it is, be there. You be there. You produce that type of content if you really want to. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you're going to have to do all of this stuff because you've got other things to do. Not everyone can devote their full time. But if you're in those common channels that you consume, that's where other people are going to come across you. And that's going to be pretty impressive to a lot of people that would make hiring decisions at a, at a company if you're showing up in multiple channels, if you're helping people, if you're showing you have a big passion for the industry and that you care about what you're doing if you care about building iOS apps. Something I kind of wanted to ask you about or bring up along those lines is, as another channel for putting yourself out there is open source. So oh, yeah. personally, I think that's pretty valuable. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, you know, It's one of those things where I don't focus a lot on it just because I've got so many other things on my plate. So I don't talk about it as much, but I'm glad you brought it up because this is a huge thing for a lot of people. A lot of people have really built up good names and reputation for themselves in the open source and the nice thing about it is people can see your code so they can see what, first of all, your habits are and then also what kind of coder you are. Like as an interviewer, when I've interviewed people to hire at a company, I know that my biggest risk as an interviewer, the thing I fear most of all is they don't actually know how to code. And it seems really silly, but uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed for Fortune 100 companies where I've interviewed candidates who had impressive degrees and experience and they could not actually code. So if you're doing open source, if you have a repository out there and you can show some work that you've done, it relieves one of the biggest fears because you don't want to like hire someone, you know, as an interviewer and then have to tell your manager or, you know, or it be found out that that person actually cannot do the job. And it's a lot of people. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people fake the ability to actually write code or they can fix bugs, right? I mean, but they can't actually write some real code and write a real application. And so doing open source is definitely a really good way to demonstrate that and alleviate one of the most common fears that, that I think hiring managers and, and interviewers have. I think that's definitely legit. And a, and a lot of this stuff is, is definitely true where you're essentially you're helping out, you know, a hiring manager or someone like that from basically you're, you're making it easier for the company to identify you as a good candidate. I do think there's a risk, though, that with a lot of these activities, you're certainly not intentionally, but there's a risk that what you end up doing is filtering out the type of people that you have in your company. So there was a little bit of a backlash recently in around the idea of like, you know, if you don't have a GitHub profile, then I don't want to consider you as an interview candidate. If you stick to that rule, you'll have a bunch of people who are good at contributing to GitHub, but you're going to miss out on probably a little bit of diversity, right? Because you're going to have the people who don't have families or, or have time to do all of this extra stuff outside of work. Now, for some companies, maybe they're okay with that. Fortworks, for example, 
I'm not sure if we have an explicit policy, but we try really hard to not look at stuff outside of our interview process because we don't want to exclude candidates just because they don't have the privilege, essentially, to be able to do that kind of stuff in their spare time. It's tricky, right? It's a, it's always a balance, but I think it's important to realize that you are excluding some people by making this a part of your hiring process. I, I think you're absolutely right. Especially, I mean, I, and I think it's going to divide, like, there's two things, right? There's the ideal, I think, of what we'd like to see. And then there's the reality of how the world works. And you got to kind of balance between both, right? As, as someone who's hiring, you know, I totally agree with you. You shouldn't be just looking at GitHub profiles. You shouldn't just look to see if this person is doing a hundred different things outside of work. I think it does play some part, right? To get an idea of what their passion is and if they're actually devoting any extra time to advancing their career. But then as a developer, you have to think, are companies doing this, right? Are companies following what might be the ideal or how are they actually basing their hiring decisions? Yeah. And and kind of one example I use is juries on famous cases, right? On famous court cases, right? The jury is supposed to be isolated, right? The jury is supposed to be kind of like how you're describing the ideal interview process where they don't know anything about the case or anything ahead of time. But on these big cases that have gotten media attention and stuff, the jury is totally biased. They've already heard about the case. They've already sort of made up their, like you can't stop them from being biased. So as an interviewer, of course, you want to limit the bias as much as possible. You want to have the diversity you want to. But as a developer applying for jobs, you want to influence the bias as much as So it's kind of a, so like the practical thing to do is that if you have built up a reputation, it's going to be to your advantage as a developer. So I, I totally agree with you. Like I'm not trying to disagree because I, I do agree with you that ideally we base it off of qualifications more so in, and it, it's unfortunate to compete against someone just out of college who is like spending 80 hours a week coding up on GitHub repositories on their own. They don't have a family. They don't have like all these other responsibilities. And so it's kind of unfair to play against that, that person. But at the same time, it's like, you know, even, you know, I've got a, a wife and, and, and a kid and, and I have a lot of other responsibilities, but, and now I, I do this full time, but before then in my career, I would always devote at least like, you know, I would say wake up an hour earlier each day and spend that one hour just improving your career, whatever it is, if it's writing blog posts or if it's contributing to open source or if it's, you know, building your app that you're going to put in the app store. Like, I mean, most people can give an hour a day and yes, it's not going to be as impressive as, you know, the, the whiz kid who in his college dorm develops, you know, 50 iOS apps and, and whatever, but it's going to make a huge, huge impact that most, it's going to put you in the 95 percentile. It's, it's really easy to get in the 95 percentile is what I think versus, you know, trying to get into the 99 percentile is, is very difficult. I'm going to jump in here and just kind of uh, add something to this. This is something that I tell a lot of newer developers to do is to basically find the open source projects that the company they want to work for uses and then find ways to contribute to that just because then you are actually speaking directly to those biases. I understand the problems you're trying to solve and the tools you're trying to use to solve them. And it really does pay off in a lot of ways because, you know, you're already speaking their language. And ultimately, and this is just another piece of guidance I give to a lot of people, and that is pick the companies you want to go work for and then figure out what their biases are or what tools are using or things like that so that you can tailor what you're doing to getting that job that you want. 
That's a good, I'm actually going to steal that one. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I never thought about advising people to work on the open source projects that the company that they're applying for is using. That's, that would work wonderfully. Yeah. And some of the companies out there, I won't mention any ThoughtWorks names, but, uh, some companies <laughs> out there actually publish the tools and practices that they use. I mean, ThoughtWorks publishes their tech radar every year. And yeah, that's true. if you want to know what they're kind of bullish on, that's, that's kind of new that they're adopting right now. All you have to do is look at it and then you can go and write a bunch of blog posts about it and get involved about it and find out what projects and tools are involved with it. And then go to ThoughtWorks and say, well, A, I looked at your tech radar and what manager isn't going to be impressed by that? Oh, you actually cared enough to come check us out. You know, and then I went and I tried out some of the things you recommend and I like them for these reasons and I don't like them for those reasons. And you can have a reasoned conversation with them. And, you know, you're just light years ahead of everybody else because you're, you're speaking a language that they've already brought into the discourse in their company. Yeah. yeah I think I, I was listening to a, a podcast from Adrian Cockcroft the other day, who's the former CTO or chief architect or something like that of, of Netflix. And he said that that was explicitly one of the Netflix, the reasons why Netflix open sourced a lot of their internal tooling is, you know, they did it for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons was it's a hiring pool for them. They can look through the contributors to their open source tools and say, Hey, you're already kind of working on this in your part time for free. How about you come and work on it? And we'll pay you, right? <laughs> like, so, so again, it's like this two-way street where the companies are, are marketing themselves to the candidates they want to hire, and and you can kind of short circuit that, I guess, is what you're saying, Chuck, and and kind of put yourself right into that loop that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and honestly, I've had the most success picking the company I wanted to go work for because either because somebody I wanted to work with was there, or because I heard good things about the way that they do things, or stuff like that. And just taking advantage of those opportunities to build and impress them. And with a little bit of work, you can figure out what it takes to get hired there. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. I think a lot of, just in general, a, a lot of people, when they start their job search, what they do is they blast out 50 resumes to 50 different companies. And then they get like, you know, maybe like, let's say three or four interviews from that. But it's so much more effective use of your time to, instead of applying for 50 companies, apply to like, five companies or six companies, but really, really hone in on that company and custom tell your resume for each one of those and really try and do the things that are going to increase your chances that make you the perfect fit for that job for each one of those five or six jobs. And then you get interviews for all five or six of those companies and your your success rate is going to be a lot higher than this blanket approach. Plus your offers are probably going to be better in that case. Yeah, I, I do want to change the topic a little bit, though, because we're talking about marketing yourself. I think targeting your marketing is a good idea, and that's why I brought it up. But let's go back to blogging and stuff for a minute and talk about how targeted you want to be there. So I know some people like Simple Programmer, which is uh, John's blog. You know, there are a lot of posts and videos across a lot of different topics. But in a lot of cases, it pays off uh, more to build your reputation around one community or one technology or one set of technologies. Do you have a recommendation one way or the other? Yeah, so there's there's kind of two ways to do this, but there's an overarching principle here, right? So it's kind of funny because sometimes people look at my blog just like, like you said, and they say, well, wait a minute, John, are you telling me to specialize, but you are not specialized? So I'll, I'll kind of get to what I'm doing in a second, but the general principle of advice that you want to pay attention to is it's almost always better to be a big fish in a small pond. Being a small fish in a big pond, it's very difficult to make a splash. 
So what you want to do is, is try to figure out how can you be a big fish, especially when you're starting out, you want to be the big fish in the small pond. So I always recommend that developers specialize, specialize. I just did an interview with Ty Seer Judah, who started his blog like a year ago, like just barely over a year ago. And he's getting like a hundred thousand page views a month. Now, when I interviewed him and asked him why, one of the key things that came back, I mean, he's doing a lot of things right, like, but one of the key things was because he chose to make his blog about ASP.NET Web API security. So it was, it, it was specialized in this very narrow frame of technology and then security within it. And so it was, he was able to deliver a very solid message, get all the people that were using that technology, right? Um, a lot of developers that are into mobile development say, well, I want to create a blog in mobile development. And I say, well, okay, you know, there's a lot of blogs in mobile development. Like no one will notice you if you do that. But how about if you focus on, I use this example as uh, the Android list view guy or the iOS uh, list, I forget what the UI table view. Tape. Yes, UI table view, exactly. Right. If you, if there was a blog, uh, it's not there anymore, but data grid girl, I remember this when I was doing ASP.net. So, and, and she built a nice name for herself because I was like, Oh, every time I have a data grid problem, but like, let's say that you are the iOS, a UI table view person, right? And you blog about that and you write about that and you go over all the intricacies and details of that, just like cssstricks.com, right? And, uh, if you do that, what's going to happen is that everyone who wants to, like all iOS developers who end up using TableView, they're going to come across your stuff as soon as they, you know, with Google TableView, UI TableView. And if you have videos about it and all this stuff, right, you're going to be known as the expert. When you go to ask to speak at a conference to submit, and you have a specialty and you're known in that specialty area, guess who they're going to want to talk about? UI table view. It's going to be you. You have a talk on that, right? If you submit for magazines or you know, things like that, it's going to be so much easier. Or go on a podcast and we're going to talk about, I'm the expert on UI table view, right? So having that specialty is going to be immensely valuable, especially starting out because it's going to let you get the audience quicker. People are going to recognize you quicker, right? If you're just iOS, I'm, I'm cool iOS developer guy. It's really hard to get an audience because it takes so much more impact. You have to be in so many more places for someone to recognize you as a name in iOS development, but it's much easier to be a name in iOS development slash UI table view, right? Because that's a very specific thing. So I usually recommend to narrow down and then you can always expand out later as you build an audience and then you find, you you expand your circle. Like maybe you start out with that specialty on UI table view and then you expand out to UI for iOS or, or maybe expand iOS in general as you've got more of an audience and then you've got somewhat of a name. And that's sort of what I did with, with Simple Programmer. Obviously, I didn't architect this as well as I am able to give advice to people now, you know, looking hindsight. But now, you know, Simple Programmer is basically the theme is making the complex simple. The idea is life coaching for software developers. I'm the guy that, you know, gives the, the sort of motivational, like the Tony Robbins type of thing for software developers. And so that's kind of but starting out with that would have been really difficult because who's going to listen to me? But once I start to build an audience, um, and then that kind of brings me to the second part of this, which is instead of specializing, you can also go with a theme, like being unique in some way. So um, there was, a, if you're familiar with Iris 
Classon. She's uh, kind of had some pretty big popularity in the dev circle. And she was able to come right onto the scene and make a really big splash with her red hair and pink hair and like, and the way that she blogged and just her personality and attitude. It's harder to do that, right? But you could also theme like you could be the angry coder or you could be, you know, whatever it is. And that could also work for you. So it's much harder to go that route. So that's why I usually recommend to specialize. But if you try to just create a generic blog on some topic, it's going to be really, really hard to gain traction. That's my short answer. (laughs) (laughs) I worry about the inverse of that where I, I'm like a magpie brain. I kind of like get excited about. 500 things and I jump all over the place. So I'm on a podcast about iOS. I'm doing a conference talk next week at JavaScript. I'm at a client helping them uh, re-architect their Java backend. Like I, I have so many different things that I'm interested in. I end up kind of spreading all over the place and not really necessarily focusing on one thing. And it's definitely something I'm aware of is that, again, like that dirty word, the personal brand thing, like my personal brand is diluted because I spread it across a lot of different places. You know, I mean, that's a good point. I think, you know, a lot of people are, are afraid of this or they don't know how to, there's two common complaints I get about, about what I'm saying with this. One is being pigeonholed, right? They don't want to be stuck in this thing and and think that that's all that they can do. And two is they like to do a lot of stuff. And I, I totally can relate to the second one. I like to do a lot of stuff. I mean, I do iOS, Android, Java, C sharp, you name it. I've done tutorials on Pluralsight and stuff on, on all those topics. But here's the thing is you don't have to quit doing all this other stuff. It's just that, you know, if you can make the focus a little bit narrower, you know, especially for someone just starting out, you having more of a reputation, it'll it'll be probably easier for you to have your hands in more things. But someone just starting out is definitely going to be easier for them to build a reputation faster if they specialize. But, you know, there's a difference between, I guess, what you build your sort of personal brand around and what you actually do. So an example, I, I always just, I always have to work this example into one conversation, but I always say like a plumber, right? Let's say that your garbage disposal broke down and, uh, you know, you go and you look for plumbers to fix it and you're going through a search on plumbers and you see ABC plumbing and you see, uh, you know, Jack's plumbing service. And then you see Mr. Garbage Disposal Fix-It Man plumbing, right? I mean, first of all, you're probably going to call that person because they targeted really well. But just because Mr. Garbage Disposal Fix-It Man plumbing fixes garbage disposals doesn't mean that they can't fix your toilet and, and get all this other business as well from you because they're general plumbers as well, you know. So that's it's kind of the same thing with developers is you could specialize in area. Let's say that you want to specialize and say that, I, you know, I do Java concurrency or whatever it is, right? And then when people come to you, they will see all the other stuff that you do or, or you can let them know about the other things. So it's just, it's more of being effective really than, you know, the most effective thing is to have a, a very clear, concrete message of what value you provide and what you're about rather than being spread out. It's like if you get in an elevator, you hear about the elevator pitch. It, it's really hard to elevator pitch someone and be like, okay, well, so here's what I do. So I sort of like, I do this iOS development, but then I do this and that. And like, you got to kind of pick one and go with it. Otherwise, you know, you, if you're, if you're doing that elevator pitch to get a job or to, you know, land a client or something, 
the more scattered it is, the more difficult it's going to be to sell someone on something. So that's kind of, you know, there's obviously exceptions to the rule. And, and as you build up an audience, it becomes less and less of a thing. Like I always pick Uncle Bob Martin right out because he's, he's just got a name, right? It doesn't matter what language he's coding in. He can be doing 50 million things, but he's just known as an excellent software developer. So at that level, you know, the specialization is not nearly as important, but at the lower level, when you're trying to build a name, it, it's more and more important. I agree with all of that, except, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, but the risk is, so, you know, I, let's say as a, as a developer, I decide, you know, my, I'm going to focus my public persona, my brand, whatever you want to call it, on JavaScript and pick like a subgenre of that. And then I get, uh, you know, I decide I really want to work for this iOS company. If you Google my name and all you get is all this stuff reinforcing this message that I'm an expert or that I'm, I'm really into JavaScript, then, you know, maybe that can, can work against me. It's true. I, I think you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's always going to be a matter of trade-offs and that's kind of what you have to decide as, as an individual developer. It's like, is it, it and, and I would, I would pose this argument to you as, as I would say, would you still be better off than the completely no name developer? Right. Like, mm, good point. So it's a, it's a trade-off. Like you're going to have to choose that and, and, and decide for you. I know a lot of people that have switched. They're known for one thing and then they jumped over to another thing and they've been able to successfully transition. But almost in all cases, I would say that it's better to have a name for something in development. Even crossovers, like you see it all the time in the celebrity world, right? You know, I'm not going to say anything bad about Shaq because he's really large and, you know, he could pound me into the ground, but he was a really good basketball player. I don't know about his rapping. I don't, I, you know, I know that he made a rap album. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I know that his name of being a basketball player is probably what got him the, the contract. <laughs> I, I don't think it was like he submitted a demo reel and there was a double blind, you know, with the producer. And they're like, Oh, this, this guy is. He's just a good rapper. I mean, maybe he's a good rapper. I don't know. I didn't listen. But, you know, I think there's there's a little bit of that carryover. So you can benefit from it, but there are trade-offs. We'll go with this anonymous tool guy. He seems like a good <laughs> musical artist. Yeah. Well, and, and that's it's not just the topic, but you can also vary on the medium. And that's where I was going to go with this. So I don't mind blogging, but I really like podcasting. I, I really like doing screencasts. So I'm going to go there first. So whether you're going after an audience on YouTube or whether you're going after an audience in iTunes or whether you're going off after an audience somewhere else, you know, do something that's kind of a natural way for you to express whatever it is that you're trying to express. And then kind of to your point, Pete, the other thing is, is that, you know, if you decide you want to do something else, there is no harm in switching. You can just say, you know what, I still love JavaScript, but I'm kind of into iOS and I kind of want to do that a little bit more now. And sure, you're probably going to lose some people who are interested in your JavaScript content. And now that you're putting out iOS content, they're not going to be as engaged. But if you're not engaging people on a level or in a place where you really resonate, then I think you're, you're building a tower in the wrong city. And it's not going to get you what you want, which is that job where you're doing stuff you like with people you like that fill those fulfillment factors that pay you what you want to get paid. And so what's kind of the point? especially in this day and age where developers with any kind of experience at all are in high demand. So, you know, yeah, get out there and, and do the things that you like about the things that you like and, and build your reputation that way. No, I, I totally agreed with, with what you said. 
All right. Well, we're getting kind of close to those hard stops we talked about at the beginning of the show. So I'm going to push us toward picks unless there's just something else that will dazzle the mind and inspire people to go out and do great things for their careers. I thought I would give away or do like a maybe some giveaway and and a little promotion for your audience if if you're cool with that. Yeah, sounds great. So if someone wants to get my How to Market Yourself as a Software Developer course, they can go to devcareerboost.com and get it. That's devcareerboost.com. And I will give $100 off for listeners of this show. And you can just use the code, uh, let's just say iFreaks. That'll make it nice and easy. So yeah, so that course, we, we it's a lot of what we talked about today on the show. You know, just got videos that show you how to create a brand and how to create a blog and how to, and, and ebooks that, that talk about, you know, using social media and, and networking and, and all kinds of cool stuff to, to help you boost your career. So $100 off devcareerboost.com. Just use the code iFreaks. And then I'd like to give away, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's nice to get a discount on a thing, but I'd rather just you know, like to give away something as well. And so but I think the best thing I could probably give away is signed copies of soft skills book. Uh, so Ooh, why I want one of those. How do I get one of those? <laughs> I sent you one of those. <laughs> I know. I'm just being funny. Anyway. So what, what I would say is uh, for people that comment on this show, I'll send out three of them. So someone who comments on the show, I will pick it randomly. It, you just comment on the show and just say what you're going to do to improve your career this year. You know, it's near the beginning of the year. So just say what you're going to do. You know, what step are you going to take? Are you going to create a blog? You're going to do something, just something that that's going to benefit you and, and, and help your career. Cause a lot of people don't think about managing their career. And hopefully this conversation will get more people thinking about that. So three free copies I'll send out that are signed just for commenting on the show. Awesome. Yeah, we'll let it run for a few weeks, and then we'll announce winners. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do picks. Pete, do you have some picks? Pick number one is Airbnb. For those of you that haven't used Airbnb, it's a service for people to rent out their space for you. If you're traveling for work, for example, and you're sick of staying in hotels that don't even have a coffee maker, for example, a hypothetical example, then... uh, Airbnb is a good option. I've just, I just, I've never actually used Airbnb before, f- apart from for like vacation stuff. But for work travel, I'm actually really, really liking having an actual apartment that I can stay in rather than a tiny hotel room that has just enough room for a bed and doesn't have enough room for a coffee maker, apparently. So Airbnb is pick number one. I'm going to pick an article that Martin Fowler recently published on his blog about kind of the diversity mediocracy illusion. So this is kind of inspired by some of the discussion earlier. And um, this is kind of a conversation about how if you value really good employees or you want really good developers on your team, for example, you're probably going to get better options if you work harder to kind of increase the, the pool of applicants, essentially, to increase your diversity. It's harder work as an employer, but the outcome is you get better employees, so probably a good deal for a lot of people. My last pick is going to be uh, a beer. This week, I'm going to pick Deschutes Fresh Squeezed Hop IPA. Uh, This is the season of fresh hop beers, and Deschutes do a really good one. I think I actually picked one of their fresh squeeze, or one of their fresh hop beers before, but this is this season's one. So if you can get hold of Deschutes Fresh Squeezed Hop IPA is my recommendation. And that's my picks. Awesome. Andrew, what are your picks? I've just got one pick today, and that is 
Well, so Sundance is going on right now as we record this. It'll be over by the time the show's published, but I try to go to Sundance every year. So I wanted to pick Sundance, but also pick film festivals in general. I think there are a lot that, you know, all, all around the country and the world, there are film festivals and it's just a really cool, great chance to get to see movies that you definitely would not see otherwise. A lot of them don't ever end up making it, you know, out into theaters and, uh, you get to, often see and you know their q a's and panels with the filmmakers and the people in the movies and i saw a really cool documentary last night about smuggled vhs tapes in communist romania and um it was funny and interesting and the lady who dubbed all those tapes was at the show so try to find a film festival near you and make it a point to go it's a great experience that's my pick yeah the big celebrity party in park city utah yeah, so I was going to say about that. I mean, Sundance is in Park City and it's famous for being, you know, it's famously in Park City, but they actually show every movie has at least one showing in Salt Lake and then they also show movies in Ogden. So you don't even have to go up and deal with the Park City crowds to see Sundance movies. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. All right, James, what are your picks? All right, I've got one pick today. This is going to be a plus one pick. Andrew, you picked the Bose Quiet Comfort headphones a while back. And I think Andrew and I are on the same page here. When we hear Bose, we pretty much mean buy other sound equipment. But yep. these things are really solid. They're lightweight. I do quite a bit of work at a co-working spot. It's a big open space and just loud. So if you're trying to focus, it's difficult. And I need something that I can just throw in my bag. So they're lightweight. Canceling is pretty good. You know, they're not audiophile headphones, but generally when I'm listening to headphones, it's a loud environment. So the compression and the noise canceling so Noise cancellation is very, very solid. So that's my pick. Quiet Comfort 20 acoustic noise canceling headphones. I can't survive on an airplane without those anymore. Yeah. It's just, they, they work so well. Yeah. And they've got the microphone. So if you have a meeting, which another reason I got them. So they got a mic. I can have meetings from the co-working spot without running to a quiet area. So they're great. Not cheap, but worth it. Yeah, I've got a pair of uh, Bose noise-canceling headphones, and they're pretty awesome. They're not by any means the newer ones. I've had them for a few years, but they're really nice. So I've got a couple of picks. The first one is actually John's blog course. I was going to pick it this week anyway, and then we wound up having him on the show. Uh, you can get it at devcareerboost.com slash blog dash course, and it is awesome. You basically get one email every day for like seven days. It walks you through starting up a blog, and it is really great. I'm not going to give away all of John's secrets. He can do that when you sign up for the, the course. But if you're new to blogging, I mean, he starts at the very beginning and then he has some terrific advice for people to build their blog and get started with writing those first articles. So go check it out. My other pick is something that we discussed on the Entreprogrammers podcast. I also got an email about it while we were recording and it's called interviewed.io. And uh, you can go and look and see where people that you want to know about have been interviewed on podcasts. So my list is relatively short. John's list is quite a bit longer, but you can also go look at other people. So some of the people that I went and looked at were John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire and Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. And you can see all of the places where they've been interviewed. And then, you know, and then you can go check out those shows if you're interested in seeing what they had to say. So those are my picks. John, what are your picks? So that, I'm glad you re, you got that one because I, I was trying to remember. I knew there was something I needed to pick in that interviewed IO. It's also a good tip just for, for uh, developers that, like, if you're trying to get on the podcast, go and look where someone similar to you has gone on podcasts. And then that, you know, it's a, that tool is going to be awesome. I'm going to totally use that tool to figure out where I need to be. What podcast do I need to be on? 
so that's that's good. Um, as far as my picks, one of them that I have is Workflowy. Uh, it's a tool that I use. Uh, it's uh, Workflow. Why workflowy.com and it's just basically this list making tool of nested lists and I've sort of like plan everything out in there now. It's pretty cool and it it's like a to do list that has like all these levels of nesting and you can basically like zoom in and move things around. So I find that it's really a good way to brainstorm things to make lists of things I need to do. I capture like all my ideas in here in different lists. Um, so I found it really useful. And then another one that I have sort of on the kind of on the marketing yourself and blogging type of thing, this guy that keeps on showing up on my radar, you've probably heard of him. Uh, he's got a site called quicksprout.com and it's Neil Patel. He's the, the founder of like Crazy Egg, Hello Bar and Kiss Metrics. He's got just super good content. It's like every time he sends me an email and he's got a blog post in it, I click it because I want to see what's in there. And then he has like really long articles. Usually like they're a couple thousand words, just packed with great, great content. And he's extremely prolific. So for people that are looking to get traffic to their blog and to, to figure out, you know, how to really optimize some of these things, he's just got tons of hacks and doing things that, that would help you to get your name out there and, and to, to generate traffic and things like that. So, uh, Neil Patel at quicksprout.com. And then I got one final one, which uh, I've been really enjoying this guy's YouTube channel. His name is uh, Mark. I think it's Marquise Brownlee. It's uh, MKBHD. He's like a 19-year-old kid, or maybe he's like 20 or somewhere. He's in college. He's got this phenomenal YouTube channel with like millions of subscribers, and he goes over tech stuff. And it's just, it's awesome. It's super, super high quality video. Like I like it for two reasons. One, because he goes, he keeps me up to date on all the like Android, iOS and smartphone 4K monitors stuff. But also his video quality is so good. Like I learn a lot of video production and audio production techniques from just, and just what he's doing is pretty inspiring. So, and he's a young guy that just, you know, it's just has a super passion for this. So I really like to support him because he's, uh, you know, it's just pretty awesome what he, what he's been able to do. And that's, that's my picks. All right. Well, thanks for coming, John. It was a great discussion and hopefully we inspired some folks to go out and take some action on their career. Yeah, no problem. Really appreciate uh, you guys having me on and, and the discussion. All Thanks, right. John. Well, I think we're done. We'll catch you all next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at iFreakShow.com slash form. 